Hey everybody, it's your host, Rev Yearwood, on the coolest show. And last year, we did a phenomenal episode in Boulder, Colorado for a live audience. We were proud to partner with Media Impact Funders, the Environmental Grant Makers Association, and Philanthropy Colorado. I was so excited because I got a chance to record that in the E-Town's recording studio, but with my dear friend and fellow climate activist, Vic Barrett. And in this two-part interview, you'll hear Tomas Lopez and Caitlin Yarnell. Tomas Lopez is a phenomenal water protector, and Caitlin Yarnell is part of the leadership team over at National Geographic. Well, let's get right to it here on The Coolest Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. We are live for this edition of Think 100% um, here in beautiful, snowy, Boulder, Colorado, for a live audience. Let them know you live, audience. <laughs> Man, I love that. And usually at this point in time, the amazing... Uh, Grammy-nominated uh, actress, uh, Antonique Smith, would chime in uh, to say something. Uh, but she is doing the thing. She's doing her her day job, and she's filming. Uh, my goodness, filming, Antonique. But I got an even a great uh, co-host who is actually has been a guest on this show many times has now moved up the ranks to, <laughs> to co-host, which means he's He's one step from my seat uh, <laughs> from hosting. So he's eyeing that, which is actually not a bad thing. So Do I get with, to run Hip Hop Caucus? Listen, listen. <laughs> they, if they say that on something, here's what you asked for. Um, <laughs> but uh, definitely uh, we can see about that. Without further ado, um, today's co-host on this live edition from Boulder, Colorado, my man, Vic Barrett. How you doing, Vic? Good, good. Uh, I'm a little nervous to fill Antonique's shoes. You guys did such a good job interviewing me. I'm like, I got to do the show justice. <laughs> no, you will be. Well, for folks who might have missed um, the earlier show from Netroots, and please go out, check that uh, that that podcast out. Um, Vic, tell the folks who you are. You have a, actually, first, me just lead in. For folks who are, who are listening, you should know that Vic is one of the plaintiffs he is suing the U.S. government on climate change in the Juliana versus U.S. Uh, landmark case. Um, very similar to the case like with Brown v. Board of Education and other cases in which we understand that it isn't just demonstration, 
but um, it's demonstration without, in some cases, litigation leads to frustration. And so him and a number of plaintiffs are suing the U.S. government, literally fighting for our future on the basis of the climate crisis. On top of that, he has been an activist. He has been engaged with so many of the young people. He himself is young. And so, um, you know, he is a student. Um, and this, I, I'm just so happy to be co-hosted. So, Vic, anything else? I, did, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, did I miss anything in that process? No, that's, a good, that's better than I would have done. So. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> what, what, add something else, something that they don't, they don't know. Something they don't know about me. Okay, well, um, I heard some earlier that well, your, your, your best friend is... Francesca? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm happy to be in Boulder, Colorado, home of one of my best friends in the world, Francesca Martinez, another plaintiff on this lawsuit. Um, also, the youth director of Earth Guardians, a really dope organization I also get to work with. Um, really channel all of my climate justice activism into that organization and um, do a lot of outreach to young people to make sure they got crews going on in their hometowns and are, you know, educating the folks. That is, that's what's up. Vic, I want to say this too. Tell the folks also what it means for like this kind of form. You've been around and, you know, we, we have real talk here on Think 100%. Um, what's it mean um, to one, um, be a person of color and, and, and having this kind of platform that we have here, I think we're saying, and talking to young people um, from multicultural millennials to Gen Z. And as we know, a lot of folks who are both from the suites to the streets. And so what's this mean to be, what's it mean for you as a person of color to, to be co-hosting or be in this kind of platform? Yeah, I mean, it's really exciting. Honestly, uh, I was just talking to some attendees at this uh, conference earlier and just saying how one of the best interviews platforms uh, time I've gotten to talk to people has been doing the Hip Hop Caucus interview on for Think 100. And just getting to really dive into talking about racial justice and social justice and getting to the nitty gritty and not the overarching narrative that a lot of the times I get stuck in. Uh, so I've been really appreciative of the show for opening up that platform for me. One of the first times doing this work for six years, I got to just speak for a straight 45 minutes on purely things that I care about. Um, and yeah, I guess that kind of says what it's been like, you know, being a person of color in this movement. You don't always get the platform you want or the amount of time you want to get to talk about the issues that are important mm -hmm. to you. Um, but hosting the co-hosting this with you means a lot because this has been, in my six years of working, um, one of the first platforms that I felt really comfortable on. So. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> audience, y'all ready? Woo! Oh, man, audience is ready. Well, we have a phenomenal guest, Vic. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and just give her her rundown. We have Caitlin Yarnell, and she her 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 title her she has Vic she has like one of the flyest titles, <laughs> like real talk. Like I'm I'm, I'm serious. Like uh, her title is like simply amazing. Um, her title is she is the senior vice president of storytelling at National Geographic, aka Nat Geo. Jeez, wow. <laughs> that is, you know what I mean? Like, listen, if you're listening right now and, you know, you're looking for a great title, not only is it, not only is it the senior VP, but this of storytelling. Caitlin, how are you? I'm great. That, with, with that intro, how wouldn't I be? <laughs> Welcome to Think 100%, the coolest Thank show you. on climate change. Thanks for having me. So tell us, what does that mean? What does the, being the VP, CVP of storytelling mean at National Geographic? And what is, for those we should know, we have a very young audience. 
<laughs> right? And so they may not know exactly what Nat, Nat Geo. Well, they may know Nat Geo. Yep. But they may not know. They may not know as I know. I'm going to date myself here, Vic. That I used to go to the doctor's office and love the pictures <laughs> in the great book of National Geographic. But what is that? Yeah. So National Geographic's been around for a while. 132 years in January. Wow. Whoa. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure, but also, you know, weight that comes with working in an organization that's been relevant that long. But you alluded to it, you know, we used to just be a print magazine. And now we are at Nat Geo, the largest brand on Instagram, right? And a lot of things in between and, and we're global. And, and so we think a lot about audiences and how do you reach people across and how do you, you can't tell the same story to a Gen Z digital native that you can to my grandparents, mm. right? Um, and we don't want to lose anyone. The things we're talking about and the, and the stories we're telling are too important to leave anyone behind. So my job, I've got the ridiculous fortunate job to be able to sit on the nonprofit side of our business and think about how do we empower the next generation of storytellers and how do we also tell the stories that matter today? Wow. Well, Vic, I want you to chime in here. I you know, get your question, but real quick, who has more IG followers, Nat Geo or Kim K? I think okay. That's an unfair. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, listen, I mean, you listen. Know, <laughs> I, you might be surprised by this answer, Vic. Listen, you may be a little surprised. I should have I should have looked up the numbers today because they changed it a day. I, this is a true story. Our CEO is obsessed with this, and every time we have like the the company all hands, he shows the slide of where we are because we're in the top thirty, you know, of accounts. And the only brand, so people above us are Kim K, Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. I know the list because it's like a hit list. <laughs> We're coming for you, Ronaldo. Right? But we've surpassed some of the Jenners. I don't, and, and one or two of the Kardashians. But I think Kim K is still, you know, kind of on that this the the, the winning side of the spectrum. But but we're coming. You know what? So listen. We are going to do a challenge right now to the movement. <laughs> At Nat Geo. Let's push Nat Geo over Kim K. We Let's can do, do that, it. right? I believe it. We're making it happen. So. so that means you guys have how many followers on, on Instagram then? You know, it's it's over a hundred million at this point. That's I mean, it's incredible. it's huge. And That's and amazing. again, I should have looked up the numbers today no. because really, it's every day. It's it's rising. And what's exciting to me about it is most of our growth is outside of the U.S. Mm. And it's it's young people, and and it's how people are first engaging with our brand. I think you know, many people my age or older engage with our brand first through the magazine, and then there was a generation that engaged first through the TV channel. And now we've got a whole generation that's just engaging first through Instagram. And then our goal is to get them into some of the other channels too. Mm. Wow, that's so incredible. I'm really thinking about this 132 years of legacy you have, to, you have behind you that um, you have to answer to. I'm really curious how you, with this huge job, 7 billion stories on earth really to tell, how, how do you curate those stories? How wow. do you decide who you're telling the stories of? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big... A big question. I think in the nonprofit space, we are really looking at what are those 7 billion stories that need to be told that without us, they would not be told, mm -hmm. right? Because there are people who know how to work the media machine and know how to get their stories out, but there are incredible storytellers and incredible narratives out there that they need someone to tap them on the shoulder and say, come here. Here's, mm -hmm. here's some funding. Here's a platform. Here's a way to do that. But you know, some of it, it's not a perfect science. Some of it is gut. Some of it is 
um, I think a lot about like, what would I find interesting? What would my kid find interesting? What would my mom find interesting? Right. And, and I think that's a nice space to play in. And, and the good news is there's lots of stories so you can try again and again. It's it's nice to know that there's media, especially mainstream media out there, that's not just interested in telling the convenient story, but mm. the comprehensive story and what the actual, you know, human story is by getting into those nooks and crannies of what's not being said. I really appreciate that. Well, thanks. I, I mean, I think we have to to stay relevant, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what does that mean when you say that? I think that if we don't change and adapt, then we will no longer be a brand, a company, that yellow border won't mean anything to people, right? We have to um, go where our audience is. Mm. And, you know, I, I think we in some ways are a 132-year-old startup. <laughs> like every day, every week, every month, we've got to think about how should we invest our funds? How should we um, direct our attention? And, and that's a big responsibility. Yeah. So what is so... The climate crisis, um, Nat Geo has actually been around longer than the current climate crisis. Correct. And so when you started off, that wasn't your main mission. But for those who are listening to this show, what is Nat Geo's, what is Nat Geo's perspective on the climate crisis? In other words, it's common sense. If you're just talking to a bunch of folks who don't know anything about the climate crisis, what is the climate crisis to Nat Geo? And then how is Nat Geo trying to use that, that legacy, that institution to combat the climate crisis? Yeah. Um, look, we are not a political organization, but we stand on the side of science and we stand on the side of facts. And I think what everyone who is paying attention knows and, you know, can, is hard to deny that climate change is not only real, but it is a crisis. And it's affecting not only, you know, the the polar regions and tropical islands, but it's affecting all of us. I mean, the, the news coming out of California with wildfires and flooding in the Midwest and increased storms. And then that's not even to talk about what it's going to do to our economy, global health. We have the data that shows that. And so as a science-based organization, we have a responsibility to tell that story. And so... One of the, the lines I like to use a lot is, our foundation is science, but our power is story. I like that. And so, you know, we have this power, so we have to communicate. And that means communicating in different ways to different people, but always trying to balance this idea of wonder and worry. Mm. It's easy to really just scare people. But I know when I'm scared, I, I you know, the fight, flight, freeze comes in at different times and, and so Run, you should take off exactly <laughs> head or, for the hills exactly or be combative right mm. and so if you just scare people they shut down right but if you also tap into some of that wonder it, it's powerful and and you need both sides of that coin and I think in some ways National Geographic which you're right has existed long before this crisis has has always been a brand and a publication associated with wonder We've taken people to places they'd never be able to go. We show pictures that people, you know, would say, wow, is that real? I can't imagine that exists on this planet. So we have kind of the license to step into that space and say, look, this is wondrous. Um, There are terrifying things happen, but there's a lot 
to marvel at. And some of that's human ingenuity and how, you know, young people are rising and, and really trying to combat this crisis. So again, not a political brand, but, but we believe in facts and science matters. <laughs> mm. Wow, that's, yeah, <laughs> it's facts. Um, I, I was really, as you were talking about that, I was thinking a lot about how we're at this time where a lot of what motivates people, especially are these scientific discoveries, the IPCC report, things like that. Um, and I'm wondering, you're you're in a really interesting position where, like, and real quick, Vic, for those who listen to the show who don't know what IPCC uh, report is, what is <laughs> what's, what's what's that mean? Yeah, so the IPCC report um, was released by a panel of scientists from all over the world, basically telling us that when it came out, we had 12 years to you know stop irreversible catastrophic climate change. Um, now we have 11 years, um, and I think that. So much of what we're seeing right now is the importance in communicating science and interweaving science in with storytelling so people know the hard facts that come with that. And you're in a really interesting position to do that. And I would like to know more about what, how that's been for you, having to deal with that science side and also the emotionally evoke, you know, like get emotions out of people too. Hmm. And this is where I get excited. Mm-hmm. I think it's... Get, get excited. You are on, think what said, the coolest show on climate change. Get excited. <laughs> no, it is exciting because, you know, I think we, many people have a tendency to say, oh, it's tons of numbers and it's thousands of pages of a scientific report that's so boring. But I see that as an opportunity because if you can understand it or you can tap into the the brilliant people who put that report together, there's... So there are so many narratives and potential stories in there. And so I think what we've done well, National Geographic has done well, is really putting a human face to those stories and making the science digestible and understandable. But I think um, we have to think a lot about the messenger as well, mm-hmm. right? Who's going to be the spokesperson? Who's going to write? Who's going to photograph? Who's going to be the on-air talent who's going to talk about that science. Mm. And it can't necessarily be someone in a lab coat, right? It has to be someone who, who is relatable, approachable, but then you have to be able to draw a parallel connection to people's everyday lives. Mm. So I don't see it as this, oh my gosh, this science is so hard to understand. That's a scary problem. I see it as a great opportunity to unpack that. The scientists have done their job. That's Mm -hmm. what they're supposed to do. Now it's our job to take that and make it relatable to people. So you said something that's very important. So recently, The Guardian mm-hmm. came out, um, I believe, at the end of last month, and they almost they apologized in some aspects about how they were using pictures. And they said that they had their climate uh, storytelling was based around uh, using polar bears and the Arctic. And they said, moving forward, The Guardian will now use more people. Um, to tell the story, they were now, and they, and they were, they were apolog- It was amazing. They were, the Guardian was actually, I mean, and I love the Guardian's climate story. Um, you know, um, journalism is amazing, um, and so for them to be uh, apologetic means two things. I was enough and fierce, but they realized that in how they were telling the story, they may have people may not have gotten, you know, who is the real face of the climate crisis. So. The two questions for you is one: Is, is Nagio? Do you have? Do you guys have that same um, perspective on that? On that, that's the first part. And then the second part for me is that you guys have the most amazing pictures. Mm-hmm. Like it is like I don't. 
you had like the like the like the best. You had like the iPhone ten pictures like back in when it was like you know <laughs> twenty years ago. You know what I mean? It was like you have like the best pictures, but I'm also saying you must also now see the sadness because you're actually now seeing the coral reef die. Mm-hmm. You're seeing those ice caps melt. You're seeing that pollution. So the first part is that do you take? How do you guys feel about the Guardian's position on changing the face of climate? And then how do you then with this over 100 plus years of seeing these pictures of seeing Mother Earth die? Yeah, um, those are hard questions. I'd say in terms of the Guardian um, position, you know, it's it's a publication that I, I adore. Like I read them. I think they're brave. Um, I think that's a brave statement to make. Um, my answer would be yes and. Mm. I think you i understand where they're coming from that that if you just paint climate as and i don't mean to imply they just did this but if you just paint it as polar bears and ice caps that's so easy to turn off from because i've never seen a polar bear you know i might not have never been near an ice cap so not my problem not my backyard uh, what do you want me to do about a polar bear and if you do see a polar bear, what you gonna do? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna either like run away or you're gonna take a a whole bunch of pictures of it, right? Um, but I think so. I understand where they're coming from, and I think the for me the the answer is yes. And you need to have the human face to those stories. You need to show why this matters to humanity, not just to the planet and to animals. That being said, there is a whole, and we know this well. There's a whole segment of audience who cares about animals. They really care about animals. Um, our highest photo likes on Instagram are, are, are animals. And so I would not want to shut off that entire segment of an audience if I have the, the choice. So I, I think, you know, the, the situation is, is so critical that we have to use all the tools in the toolbox. You, you, I, I would hate to, you know, put one down when we got to use them all. And um, Earth dying. Earth dying. Thank you. You know, it, it's you it's, see it. You, it's you, you see it. it. You 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 visibly can see it. And um, some of you know, there's some great films that um, Exposure Labs has made about you know chasing ice, chasing coral that really document that. But our publications have been you know to some extent the the visual record of what is happening, and it's even greater when you get into our archives. Because you can imagine we send a photographer out for weeks, months at a time. They come back with tens of thousands of images. And if we're lucky, we get to publish 12 of them. Mm. So when you really dig into that archival footage, it is, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to look at. That being said, we, I think our challenge is how do we empower storytellers, the photographers, the filmmakers to keep going out there, keep documenting um, and to make it beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. There's some stories that are not beautiful, but I think you can still find beauty. You can still find um, things that make people not want to turn away, but they so, want to watch. Let me ask you that, because I want, Vic, I want you to happen to this. Mm-hmm. So that's a great, you guys had an amazing cover in which you had something that looked like an ice cap, but was actually a plastic bag. It, mm-hmm. was, it was, if you haven't seen that, you should just Google Nat Geo's, like, I don't, I don't Planet or plastic? Planet, or, that was phenomenal. Planet or plastic? It was just, because it was one of those kind of things you looked at it and you, you scanned down, it was just about the amount of plastic being thrown into the ocean. 
So you guys are very clever. I mean, might not say you're political, but you're like like hip hop. Y'all kind, you know, kind of say things and don't really say things. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, um, but but in that, those are some of the pictures there. I guess so. In those in those pictures that you are. Um, I just, I mean, I just, I just, I'm just trying to figure out how do y'all are able to see this planet, what's being done to this planet, and almost not be just losing it. Well, I mean, I'll be honest. There's days I think, and I'll, just, I can only speak for myself, that it is really discouraging and it's hard. And I've only, you know, been at it. I've been at Nat Geo for 15 years, but it's, it's hard to see. That being said, what are we going to give up? No. Like, no, you got to go in and do more. And and there are also really incredible good stories that come forward. Um, you know, the fact that we have, you know, Vic here with us, I think is an incredible good story. Um, and and so I think you just got to stand up and move forward and, and try to um, tell stories and visualize stories in ways that haven't been done before. That Planet of Plastic, um, it was a great illustration you know, which got a lot of attention. But one of the reasons it got attention was it was visually arresting. Mm-hmm. It didn't turn people off. They thought, oh, that's a beautiful iceberg. Oh, wait, it's a plastic bag. You know, but it if it had just been like a picture of burning plastic, people would have said, that's ugly, no thanks. Right? So it really is important to do this, to to balance that and and make people want to see, want to stay with us, we got to take them in their door, and then they can come out ours. I like that. But but you have to get them in the door. Because really, you know, we're not competing against other publications or against other grant makers. That's not what I think about. We're competing for people's time, mm. right? You're competing against every book every, ever written, every piece of music ever recorded, every cat video on the internet. You know, we're competing for people's free time. Those darn cat videos. I know. <laughs> they suck us all in, right? <laughs> like, but but we're competing for time, so you can't just people have to want to spend time with you. Yeah. Um I, I'm thinking about what you were talking about before about um empowering storytellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a young activist myself, uh, a lot of my work has been learning how to tell my story. Um, and as I move on, get older, I'm thinking about what I want to do next. And I know I want to tell other people's stories. And I, I've i never heard of the position chief storytelling officer. I did not know <laughs> that was a position. I've heard of CEO, COO, <laughs> not um, chief storytelling officer, though. And I'm, I'm really curious um, you know how so Vic, you, you want Caitlyn's job then? <laughs> <laughs> I want both of your jobs. No. <laughs> I like no, no. that combination. <laughs> Good. Um, no, but... Superhuman. <laughs> yes, no. But like, how has Nat Geo always had a chief storytelling officer position, or how did you even get involved in that work? And you know, what would you tell young people like me who are going into you know the career world and who want to make storytelling their job and yeah, what, what advice would you have and how did you get involved? Yeah, so it it's funny because I didn't know this is what I wanted to be. You know, <laughs> I didn't know this was something that could be. Um, it, it is, I'm the first person to have that title. Give me um, a background on yourself, Caitlin. Yeah, like, sure. So I actually studied cartography. Cartography. Okay. I know, <laughs> I know. Wind, rewind. Cartography and um, Spanish literature. Parents, I think, feared I might be unemployable. But um, I 
you know, I start I studied cartography because I was fascinated with this idea of combining um, you know, art and math. You know, and when you make maps, cartography's making maps, it's not a heart doctor. Um, that's that's a grave mistake someone could make. But um it's you know, you have to understand how to make a round world flat. And that takes a lot of math. And then you've got to make that beautiful. And I always came at it from a, and tell a story through it. Mm. So that was my kind of entree into this world. Um, so I started at Nat Geo as a cartographer. Um, if those of you who've seen the magazine and got those big pullout posters, um, I worked on those. And I love those. <laughs> well, I do too. And um, I loved them as a kid, you know, and that's the great thing about working at a place like Nat Geo where it's something that was part of my childhood. I, I was like, wow, I get to do this now. But um, so I started doing that. And then I worked in the magazine for almost a decade and was, um, you know, worked as, as, in, as art director and creative director in there. And so really um, I learned journalism on the job and always worked in the visual space. And then about four years ago, almost five years ago, got to make the transition into the nonprofit space um, with all that knowledge I had of um, publishing and, and how to tell a good story and how to tell a good story that people wanted to read or see because at that point I was measured on how many people bought the thing, which I think is actually really good training. Um, for for a lot of people, whether you're in the activism space and you're in the journalism space, is if someone's willing to vote with their wallet, you're making a quality product. So with that thinking, moved over into the nonprofit space, and we're really trying to think about how do we empower storytellers um, to tell their own stories and to also fill in some of the critical gaps as journalism is having a hard time. Mm -hmm. It's um, an industry that's that's not weathered well economically. And, you know, as an institution, we've given grants for over a hundred years to scientists. And so now we're really doubling down on grants to photographers, to filmmakers. And then we're also doing a lot of programmatic work as well. So we have a program called PhotoCamp where we go into underserved communities and um, help young people. We pair them with our very best photographers and help young people photograph their own communities. So those are just some examples of how migrated there. But what I would say to young people, because I had no clue where this path was going, <laughs> um, I just wanted to make maps. And it was cool that National Geographic wanted me to make the maps. Um, is I never, I think, I didn't say no to opportunities when someone said, oh, you make maps, do you want to make information graphics? And I was like, oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Okay, you did that. Now you want to manage a team of creatives? I, I think I know how that works. And so you kind of step into that. Do you want to figure out how to how to work in the nonprofit space and fund? Okay, like I can figure that out. And so, you know, I think uh, I was envious when I was younger, still kind of in, about people who had exactly knew what they wanted to do. And they had that totally figured out. My sister, from the time she was little, was like, I want to be a chemist. I'm going to go to the best school for chemistry. This is what I'm going to do. I didn't have that. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I, I, I knew that I liked working with smart people and I liked, I knew the stuff I liked. So that kind of guided me. But sure, now the title's established, come for it. That'd be great. I have a couple of things. Um, so 
Well, before we get wrap up, one, I want to thank you for being on the show. But I have a, there's, I have a, there's a couple hard questions. Can I ask you a hard question? Of course. All right, <laughs> then here we go. Is the climate movement good storytellers? Oh, man. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I, I, I think I see glimmers of hope. And I see people starting to think that way, which warms my heart. But I think in general, the same narrative has been used over and over. And even if on paper it looks good, it's not working. Mm. It hasn't been working. I think, you know, look at what people like Greta and Vic have done in such a short amount of time tells me from an empirical perspective that we needed a new narrative, right? If, If that resonated so profoundly, so quickly, there was clearly a gap. Okay. Hard question number two. Ready? Ready? That was a good answer, though. I just want to that, was, that was a very good answer. <laughs> yeah. That was a good answer. Caitlin, Caitlin's, Caitlin's on, on her game today. <laughs> Matt Gio should be very proud. Um, why doesn't the climate movement use more indigenous people of color and women to tell the story? Again, I, th- I think there's glimmers of hope, I, th- I think, and I hope it's changing. But I think the simple reason is it's hard. It's hard to do something new. It's hard to do something different. Like, I don't think it's a nefarious plot, really. And, and I'm a, an optimist by nature. But I think just because it's, um, we've had our movement uh, spokespeople, right? And they were not indigenous or women or people of color necessarily. And so when you're rushed, when you've got a million things to do, you go to your standby people, right? But I'm trying to change that. We're trying to change that. Um, I think it's happening. Um, But yeah, I think the simple reason is it's hard. It's hard to change. Change is hard. Okay. Very good. That was pretty good, right, Vic? Yeah, no. I'm- <laughs> okay, final, final, final hard question. Okay. Number three. What is the song you listen to to get you fired up? God, I don't have a good one right now. I oh, really don't. Oh, you had two good because answers. I know. Just the song I know. threw you. The I, song no, that would throw me too. There's See? so many songs. There's so I, many songs, Red. I choked. <laughs> you, I, want, I want you guys to give me a playlist. Well, this is the oh, exactly. Give so things, give me a playlist yeah, for that. my new for we'll, because that we, could be a, a Nat Geo show. Actually. That'd be great. I need some walk on hip hop playlists, yeah. and we'll just with polar bears. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> It'd be maybe great. Not, maybe, It'd be maybe, great. Maybe, maybe 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 not polar bears, but we'll figure that one out. We will. Um, Vic, any last questions? Please, you got anything you want to no, add in there? I think that was great. No, Kaylin, thank you so much. Oh, anything you want to talk? about? You got a few things you want to talk about. You got. Um, you know, you have with the the photo photo camps. Yeah, yeah. Right. So tell the kids about that. Yeah, so like I said, we we pair uh, National Geographic photographers with underserved youth around the world, and really enable them to tell their own stories through photography, and it's super powerful because it transcends language, transcends culture, in a lot of ways. And so um, we're working. You know, the last couple of years we've been working with refugee youth, and that culminated in exhibits at the Nobel Peace Center and the Kennedy Center in D.C. But I'm super excited because starting this year or half of 2019 into 2020, we're going to be working on environmental justice and and with communities of young people around the world to visually tell their stories. So watch for that. 
We will. Well, because she's not here, I should just say a good song would be <laughs> Anthony Smith, either Here Comes yeah. the Sun or Mercy, Mercy Me. Mercy, so Mercy Me is a good before one. Anthony dies in and gets me in Vic. There you go. Caitlin, thank you. Give it for Caitlin, y'all, from Nat Geo. Thank you. you heard on this episode make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform follow us at think 100 climate and at hip-hop caucus on instagram twitter and facebook visit the where you can take action for climate justice right now you can also learn more about this podcast and donate to think 100 percent which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. Think 100, think 100, think 100, think 100.